you know, with my grandfather, with his trucking company, it was always anything as possible. He's out there chasing windmills 100% of the time. Their entire lives and their entire ancestry had been like this beauty of poverty or almost the struggle of poverty as well. And there was this huge identity of, no, 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 we do everything on our own. If you want to be stuck with something, identify with it or judge it. It, It's like those, those are just stories that we've told ourselves. And you also don't have to make seven figures to have an abundant lifestyle. Hi, my name is Bunny Young and welcome back to another incredible episode of the Yes And podcast. I cannot wait to share with you today. I have brought on one of my incredible friends and just an amazing online business coach and all things success coach. She is joining us from Nicaragua and we are going to talk about a little bit of the resistance to the yes and lifestyle or a little bit of the introduction to like becoming aware that you can have it all. And so I can't wait to get into it. And without further ado, let's jump into it. Sarah, you want to say hi? Hey, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited. I was first introduced to the whole yes and concept just a few years ago. So I'm I'm really excited to, to share a little bit more of my story on that and that evolution for myself and hopefully inspire a whole bunch of people. Yes, we are definitely, we're going to aim to inspire millions on our short little time together. And I'll also let the audience know that you guys get a little behind the scenes of what we do on WhatsApp every single day. <laughs> this is the conversation and the banter and the back and forth that we go through this. And so you had shared that you were first introduced to the yes and kind of lifestyle and thought process. What is your definition of a yes and life? Uh, just understanding that it doesn't need to be either or and that you can truly expand and you can have so many things all at once. Uh, you can have abundance and have a great relationship. Uh, you can, you know, make money and save money. You can travel and have a really great job and just the whole idea of we don't need to limit ourselves and we really don't need to choose just one thing at a time. Um, as long as we obviously like step into our leadership for it and, and truly understand that we're all worthy of it too. Yeah. I love that. And transparently, I think the way that I struggled with the yes and life was that moment when, you know, I had a degree, I had a master's degree to be a therapist. And I thought, I have a master's degree, so I'm supposed to be a therapist. And what ended up happening is, yes, I have a master's degree and I'm going to run my own company as a business coach and life coach and consultant. So that was one of my yes and struggles. And if you're open, have you experienced any kind of the yes and struggles coming into this life? (laughs) (laughs) How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) We'll make some time. Okay. Well, I mean, to the the short form of that, oh yeah. I mean, one of the biggest struggles that I can think of recently was just even bringing on a nanny because I was raised very differently um, than the lifestyle that I live here in Nicaragua. And so even just like having someone who makes my breakfast for me and cleans everything for me and... I don't really need to worry about a lot at home was, it was a really big struggle. Like even in the mornings, like when I first started getting an Emmy, it was this whole, like, well, Sarah, like in my head, I was just like, you should really be doing your own breakfast. You're lazy. 
why can't you just do your own? And I didn't understand at the time that it was just like, well, no, I, I'm choosing to have someone else to make me food so that I can do my meditation so that I can have this time to just have my own luxurious time in the mornings. And I think it, it was, there was a big struggle of like, well, why, why should you deserve this? Why you, this seems very frivolous. Um, and it's still something that I, I struggle with, but, um, I've definitely made some strides with it and kind of every level that I get to every level of self-awareness, every level of like stepping into my growth, my full potential, um, I get to experience more of the yes and. I absolutely love that because I think I can only speak for myself and my experience with clients, but that's as a mom, that's something that and a successful business owner, that is a huge yes and is yes, I can have a great relationship with my kids and a successful business. And, and for me personally, that does look like having a lot of support and a lot of help and somebody to clean the house and you know, personally, you know, my mom steps in with my girls a lot. Um, if I'm being honest though, like who better to outsource parenting to, to than to the woman who raised me in, <laughs> in some aspects, that's kind of the, the thought process that I had around it. And I just want to share that I'm so proud of you for knowing your value and knowing that like, I know you're making you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of impact in your clients' lives on a weekly basis. And so why would you be going and making eggs if you don't love it? And if that's not your value proposition to this world, when you can be focused on that, and then that allows for other moms and other business owners to be able to live their yes and lifestyle. And if they want to bring on, you know, a support team around them, whether home or professional, it allows them to do that. So that that's how I see it. If you'll allow me to mirror that for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that for all of our listeners, I think it'd be really helpful for people to understand even where I come from, uh, because it, it's an identity piece, I think. And I think for a lot of people, it, it is an identity piece as well. And, and we all have our own story around it, right? And so for me, both of my grandfathers worked in basically right off the beach. <laughs> We're from this like very small town in Portugal. And my dad's dad, uh, he made boats. And so he was a carpenter, made boats, he made fishing boats. And then my mom's dad was a fisherman. And my mom once told me a story that my grandmother was actually a nanny's helper in my town. So it was just like, she wasn't even the nanny. She was the nanny's helper because that's how poor they were. And all of the conversations that we always have surrounding my family when they were growing up was, you know, my dad would be like, I didn't have shoes or like, I only had one pair of pants. Um, and there were 12 of them in one house and it was just, he never got any attention. And, um, you know, like they have all of these stories of we were poor, but we were proud to be poor. And so it was this whole mentality of we did everything on our own. And then my grandfather ended up moving to Canada uh, and my mom moved to Canada when she was 10. And then my dad moved to Canada after he met my mom. But it was, you know, up until then, their entire lives and their entire ancestry had been like this beauty of poverty or almost the struggle of poverty as well. And there was this huge identity of, no, 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 we do everything on our own, right? And we're not like the other people. And that was another very frequent thing that was told to me. Like, we are not like them, right? Uh, we are immigrants, even though I was born and raised in Canada, right? 
we are immigrants. We are not like we, they, sometimes we weren't even classified as white, which is also like such an interesting thing for me. Cause like I am Caucasian. Right. But I think in terms of that identity, it was this whole idea that we weren't even like, we weren't from those specific social classes. And so even when I went into school and I got like really great grades and I did my master's degree and like everything, it was, everything was always structured around survival. So you can't just go into school to get, you know, to get a job that you like, you have to go to school to get a job that makes you a lot of money. Because if you don't, like this is cut, we all did this for you, right? And so throughout my whole life, it was this, you know, it was Portuguese at home. And then when I stepped out of my house, it was all of a sudden like, okay, but but this is who I clearly am. Like I'm Canadian because that's where I was born and raised. Um, but it was this big struggle of feeling like everything that I was doing was always about survival and feeling like everything that I was doing needed to be about furthering myself in order to like live a really great life. Um, and on, on, it's interesting because it was furthering yourself, survival, getting a really great job, but it was also do everything on your own because Mm -hmm. you can't, get anyone else to do anything for you. So even though my parents were doing really, really well, um, they never had a nanny. They never had a cleaner. You know, they drove like really, really old cars. (laughs) My dad to this day uh, still drives this like really old minivan to do all of his work. He owns his own company. Um, But it's this whole like, we can't spend money on ourselves. And it was only really when I started to step into entrepreneurship. I mean, first, when I stepped into entrepreneurship, I stepped into entrepreneurship with that mentality, which obviously led me nowhere (laughs) because you cannot build an entrepreneurial life, especially a freedom-based entrepreneurial life off of those things. That specific identity can really help you to work really hard and be really proud of your work and be self-motivated. But it can't, it, it will never allow you to truly step into a yes and type life because it, the, whole, the whole point of it is that you don't deserve a yes in life because you just weren't born into it. And I think that for me, it took, it was obviously like a series of accepting the fact that I had kind of hit new levels and truly allowing, allowing myself to experience new things um, that, you know, now I've, you know, made over seven figures online, which has been amazing. I've never like, you know, 2015 Sarah, who first stepped into online entrepreneurship would have been like, that is not, that all all of that is a scam, (laughs) right? Like you cannot do any of those things. Um, And it's just, it's been this continual evolution of, okay, well, why do I have to have that identity still? What parts of my identity do I need to shed in order to step into something that I know that I'm capable of? And the, the nice thing about that too, is, is having so many people who are mirroring that to you and acknowledging that for yourself and and people who are online, who are, you know, sometimes sacrificing a lot of hate, um, from other people so that they can show you that these are things are possible. And, uh, thankfully I had all of those mentors. I had those people to show me, well, you know, you don't need to struggle. The struggle is not, does not need to be a part of your life to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you said, um, identity and one of my 
coaches, Alyssa Nabriga brings up the fact that if you want to be stuck with something, identify it and identify with it or judge it. And coming from the psychology background, I know how the brain associates that. And the same way that you have this intergenerational story about like what we're supposed to do, how much we're supposed to make, what we're supposed to do with our money, what we're supposed to do with our lives, how hard we're supposed to work. Like that's been something that's been really interesting being a third generation entrepreneur with the yes and lifestyle because you know, with my grandfather, with his trucking company, it was always anything as possible. Like if anybody listening knows like uh, Mana La Mancha and Don Quixote, like that's my grandfather. Like he, he's out there chasing windmills 100% of the time. And he's like, we'll always find a way. And then for my grandmother, it's like, we'll find a way, but it's never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And so I, I grew up with kind of those competing desires where it's like, yes, you can make as much money as you possibly want. And it, it will never be enough. And so I found myself kind of looking at these stories that I was telling myself because that, that's all they are, stories. Like it, not, none of it was true as far as it, it, the other, I know I just like interrupted my own train of thought, but the other part of it is this awareness of what is poor and what is rich, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and so growing up and I had an awareness of, what an entrepreneur was. My mom didn't, you know, volunteer in like the, my classroom. She wasn't a stay at home mom or that kind of thing. She had a cell phone before like anybody else. And, you know, for me, it was like, this is what an entrepreneur looks like. You know, it's, it's, you got to struggle. You got to work really hard. You can still be there for your kids, but you're always going to have like 1% of your mind thinking about your business. And, when I stopped identifying with that's what an entrepreneur looks like, that's what a mom looks like, that's what success mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. It, it's like those, those are just stories that we've told ourselves. Yes, you can make seven, eight, nine figures online and, you know, not miss your morning meditations. And you also don't have to make seven figures to have an abundant lifestyle. Right. Like you really don't have to make seven figures to have help with your house or help with your kids or whatever it is. And I found that the more I've kind of embraced that along the way, or at least my clients have as well, it's like the more that you believe you're worthy of the things that you desire, like the more of that that you attract in kind of the most interesting ways. And so I share that because, you know, as you shared vulnerably about this identity that you carried around, part of me wonders, and not that, you know, we're ever going to go back, but it's like, what else are we identifying with that is not serving us currently? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it also reminds me of, because the whole yes. And I feel like I really started stepping into it after I moved here, but not necessarily right, right after. I think like after I had my son, I think that was like a really big shift for me where you're like, I think mothers experience a lot of pressure Mm. on having to mother in a specific way and, and having motherhood look a specific way. And basically from the, from the day that he was born, or I think the day after we hired someone full-time to help us out at home. And you're right. Like at that point in time, I wasn't even making a lot, but that's something that I allowed myself and I afforded myself. Cause I was just like, you know, I don't feel like I have to not take showers every day <laughs> just to take care of my kid, you know? Or um, I had a lot of problems with breastfeeding on one side um, because for some reason I I bled like throughout 
the first week. And so it was, everything was really challenging. So then I gave myself permission to be pumping and be feeding him, like not just exclusively breastfeeding my son and, and understanding that I was actually allowed to do that. Um, and giving myself a full permission for that, which is something that is so, it's interesting that we need to even do that for ourselves. Right. And be like, no, I'm still a really great mom, even if I don't do things in specific ways. And even when, so we were living in this like teeny, teeny, tiny house when, when we lived here or sorry, when we moved here, we run it, we recently renovated it, but it was just a shack when we, when we moved here. And it was something that we were really proud of for kind of experiencing. Uh, but then we started building the house that I'm in right now. And even the way that I built this house, the way that I decided that I was going to build and design this house was, it was really pushing it for me because I wanted a beautiful kitchen island with granite countertops. I wanted these beautiful big windows in my house because we basically live on a farm that's like overlooking a creek. We don't really have neighbors. Um, and so it's just, it's beautiful greenery. And so it's like, I want to be able to appreciate that every single day. And I remember as we were working with the architects and the engineers and the construction workers, they were like, are you sure you want a window that big? Cause it's big. Right. And everyone kept on asking me, are, are you sure? That's a really big window. And I would have to check in with myself and I'm like, am I sure? Maybe this is too much. Maybe I'm being too much, right? Like maybe I'm asking for too much. And then I was like, why the F not? Mm-hmm. If that's the way that I designed this home, why not? Uh, and then I, I made this like, so I really wanted for our bedroom to have like a freestanding bathtub with a window that overlooks once again, the beautiful greenery that I have outside. And I even remember with the bathtub, it was just like, it had to be shipped from somewhere else. And I was just thinking to myself, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it. You know, it's the whole like identity thing of why you, why do you need this? This is over the top. And I really put in the yes and practice there where I was just like, no, I get to have this and there's nothing wrong with having this. And I think that having it all and fully going through with it was really a testament to me, um, especially coming from such a scarce mindset from my parents and that identity of, okay, I I got these things and I didn't go broke, (laughs) right? Like I'm not actually poor on the streets. I I didn't have to give up my house because I I spent too much on a bathtub or whatever it was. And, uh, and it's just, it's really, I think a lot of the SN really is, uh, playing around with your brain and challenging your brain, challenging your brain to these things where, uh, yeah, you just, you do the thing that you're so afraid of doing or that you feel like you're going to be judging yourself for doing. And then you're like, okay, that wasn't actually that bad. Actually, I feel so much better now because I did that thing. Yeah. It's, it's like you hit that, that growth edge and you end up expanding and, you know, like I look at it kind of like a rubber band. Is like you can ex- you can extend a rubber band and then it, it's never quite the same again, right? And mm-hmm. so I think every time you do that, and I'm so glad it was a bathtub because you know how much I love my bathtub. Um, you know, every time you do that, it's like you grow a little bit more into the infinite possibility. And so I want to ask you a little bit about how this has impacted your kind of your relationship with your parents. And, and I'm happy to share a little bit about mm-hmm. how that's kind of impacted my, my growth has impacted 
multiple generations in my family. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the judgment piece um, Mm -hmm. with social media as well. This is just an incredible conversation to have personally for me around the multi-generational impact of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't really think that I've dove into it or carved into it. Um, with anybody else before. So I'm stoked to do this. And one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, obviously I shared with you about my grandfather being largely successful. However, like my grandmother thinking it it was never enough. And then I have my parents who worked their asses off and then sold part of their company um, in order to have more freedom. And they, they, it's not like they really ever desired to scale, though. It's like they took it as far as they could mm-hmm. take it. They hired some people. So good. Yeah, yeah, they hired some people. They, I mean, that was a really big edge for my mom to, like, hire office staff. And, you know, they, they hired individuals to help. But it's like they didn't actually, like, scale it beyond that. And I, I haven't talked to them uh, about why. I mean, that would be a great conversation. But then they see me. And, like, I didn't have anybody that was, like, oh no, you can't scale it. Like it all kind of happened for me. And so, you know, last year when we flew to Hawaii, my dad's six five. And so I was like, I'm going to get him a first class ticket. Like, am I going to put him on a tin can for however many hours? Like, I'm going to get him a first class ticket. And then Sarah, you'll laugh at me, but I'm like, so then who else gets a first class ticket? Are we all going to like sit in economy? Or so I ended up getting all of us, like my entire family, my parents, my daughters, myself, Guinness. And I think this plane had maybe 12, 10 or 12 first class seats. And we had six of them, you know, (laughs) so we had like three rows on, on both sides. And, um, I could just see my, my mom and dad kind of smiling. And I'm, I'm thinking as the daughter, I'm like, you guys did this. You guys showed me what was possible. You guys taught me that like, I didn't have to have a company or a job dictate my worth. Like I could do that. And my dad reflected back to me, his pride, like his pride in me of like, you know, kind of taking it to the nth degree. And so I really think that was the moment that I started to witness that like my parents were actively on the edge of their mindset and their growth about what's possible in entrepreneurship and what's possible that you, you can have it all and you don't have to do it all because I don't think that was really their awareness. And so I wonder, yeah. since you said your dad had his own company, like what your parents' experience has been kind of watching you over the past seven years, eight years, really skyrocket. Yeah, it's totally the same. We're so similar. It's so funny. Like I would even say, it, it's cute because you say that there's three generations of entrepreneurs in your family. Technically, there's three generations of entrepreneurs in my family too, because my grandfather who made boats, he's an entrepreneur, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> he had his own business. So, uh, and then that's my dad's dad. Uh, and my dad, I always say that my dad is like the OG of like time freedom. (laughs) I remember working at McDonald's when I was 16 and him being like, well, why do you have to be there five minutes early? Can't you just show up? And I'm like, no, that's not how jobs work, dad. (laughs) Like I can't just show up when I want to, I can't just be late. Like I have to be there early. And he was just like, well, can't they just wait for us? Like that was just his whole mentality. And of course, like he's worked for other people, but ever since I can remember, he's always had his own business. And, but at the same time, he's had his own business, but like, you know, for some reason we could like 
take a month and just go to Portugal in the summer. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back at it, I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense because he works in construction and summertime construction in Canada means you're, you're working like weekends you're working because you have to make sure you're making enough money to survive the winter because mm-hmm. the winter, there's not a whole lot of jobs. And, but he'd take a month off in the summer. And I was like, how'd you do that? Like, I just, I don't understand that. Have you asked because, well, it's because of his values. Right. And so I think I learned that from him and, and from my mom, uh, that they just, they valued their free time. And my dad, like to this day comes home for lunch. He doesn't have to do that. He can bring a sandwich at work. He doesn't need to like drive 20 minutes just to get home, but that's his values. His values are, no, I want to eat my own food. I want to eat my own fresh food. And I want to, if I want to get up and go to Portugal to see my family, because my, my grandparents, my dad's parents never immigrated. Uh, he immigrated and a few of his uh, siblings did, but most of his family lives in Portugal. So he's, my dad's kind of like, my mom's, I would say like more Canadian uh, in terms of the way that she was raised. My dad was, he only went to Canada when he was 21. So he doesn't even like speaking English as much. And it's just, I, I really love the saying like, learn as I do and not as I say, because I think that people will say one thing. So my dad always used to say, you need to get a government job because job, government jobs are going to pay you good money. Don't ever be an entrepreneur <laughs> because you like entrepreneurship is like, you never know when you're going to have money or not. Right. And, but I learned as he did, I think. And I, of course I, I, I did a nine to five for six years, I had my government job for six and a half years. So I did the thing that they wanted me to do. And I realized it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do. And then I went into entrepreneurship and then I was like, okay, he makes a lot more sense to me now. Um, and I think that where I see that we were all re- also really similar is my dad never grew beyond being a small business owner because mm-hmm. he never had like, aside from having like a helper, which sometimes he'd, he'd make my sister and I like go in for the summers and like help him <laughs> with, with his construction work. Cause he, he didn't have boys. So he was just like, okay, girls, like, you know, like toughen up, let's go and let's do this. I didn't survive very, very long. Cause I never wanted to do any of the work. Uh, but yeah, like he, he only had maybe a helper. Um, he also co-owns his business with his brother. Um, but he never took it beyond that. And so it was always, he was always exchanging time for money and Mm -hmm. he does not know a business model that goes beyond any of that. And I would also wonder if, if that is a part of that identity piece that we're talking about in terms of the SEN and just feeling like, well, no, where I come from and who I am at my core in terms of my identity is I will never be the rich guy. Right. I would wonder if that's probably a part of what was going on for him, because sometimes we've had conversations about it and he's just like, I can't trust people to work for me because they learn my craft and then they go and they do it themselves and they just, you know, they learn from me and then they leave and then they become my competition. So he's like, why should I train anyone? Um, But I think that what I've done is, well, now I have a a, a team. So I am not doing everything in, in my business. And my, you know, I don't, my dad's not a huge talker. Uh, so mainly all the communication <laughs> comes from my mom. And a lot of the times she's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, like how well are you doing? Or like, this seems really cool. And, and now they really appreciate it because now I'm going to Portugal for a month. 
yeah. in the summer. And I'm bringing my, my child. So they're getting time to spend with their grandchild. And like, now they're just kind of like, Hey, Sarah, we're going to Florida next week. Like, why don't you guys just come? Or That's like, awesome. Hey, why don't you just spend, you know, Christmas with us? You know, we'll take care of Sebastian. You can, you can work in your laptop in your room, you know? And so now they get it. And I think they also understand just how valuable it is for me to have that freedom where I think for them, it's mostly, I, I just have their only grandchild, right? <laughs> so they want to spend as much time with Sebastian as they possibly can. And my job affords them a lot of that time too. So I do think that they appreciate that. It's so cool to hear how your dad's knack for like valuing his freedom ended up translating into your generation in that way and how you've taken that and really just expanded so much upon that. Um, that's just really beautiful to see and how, how I see it, like, and you have in-laws as well. So like you can reflect on this. So I have my husband's parents and then I have my parents and I would say like last year when I was having my heart surgery, I really needed help with the girls. And my mom and dad's mindset were, how can I? And I noticed that my in-laws mindset was like, well, we can't because of X, Y, and Z. And we had to like solve for X, Y, and Z. And it was like a little bit of a conversation. Whereas my parents were like, here's what I'm committing to. And like the rest of it, not a priority. We'll figure it out. And that's been mm. like the entrepreneurial mindset as well of like, okay, we're going to do seven figures while spending a month in Portugal, while, you know, going on, I'm going to make up your life right now. We're going on a <laughs> Disney cruise. We're spending, you know, winter with your parents and we're going, you know, to Florida whenever we want. And it's like, okay, so here's, that's my life. Yes, that's my life. And I'm still going to run a seven plus figure business. So like, here's what it's going to look like. It's almost like you're telling life, like what it's going to look like versus mm -hmm. letting circumstances of life dictate what your level of freedom, your enjoyment or anything like that. And I'm sure for those listening, it's like, well, yeah, it's easy to say that when you have money. It's like this started way before there were money. There was money. Yeah. Yes. Like the mindset, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. of not letting life dictate what your life's going to look like not letting circumstances yeah. really dictate that or, and, and even in the worst of circumstances and from, from working in child protective services. And I know that you um, had your experience working, yeah. you know, in a similar field. It's like, I saw the kids who had the worst of circumstances, but chose their attitude. Mm. And like, so good. Yeah. they chose to not be kind of imprisoned by their circumstances Mm -hmm. And they knew that life was going to end up happening for them. And I think that's, um, what's Victor Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. Like that was his experience about how going through like the Holocaust and concentration camps, like how he's like, you can do whatever you want to my body, but you, you can't have my mind. Like, I'm not going to give you that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's incredible. And I mean, let's let's step into the the hate, the criticism part too, yeah. right? Because I know that you said that we wanted to address that a little bit. Yeah. And we're, we're both like getting ready in our seats. I know. <laughs> we're, we're like, you guys, for those of you that like can't, don't get the video, like we both like sat up in our chair and like ready to take to the ring because what we were talking we about was like the trolls. Repositioned ourselves. Yeah. We're, t- <laughs> we're going to jump into the trolls on social media, which yeah. is the judgment piece. Yeah. And sometimes the trolls aren't even just on social media and people that you see. Sometimes it's just like things that get said behind your back and, um, and, you know, not so fun things. And even, I I mean, I've even gotten criticism from my mom just being like, well, how long is this going to last? Right. And it's this whole, like, actually your, your friend, Amy posted something that David, uh, Dave Ramsey said to a, uh, I think it was like a 16 year old. I don't know. Did you just see this too? I, I like had this conversation with my husband to be like this, this man, I'm, if you're listening and you're a Dave Ramsey lover, you might want to stop listening to the podcast episode right now. But it's this whole idea of, so this kid was making, I think like $50,000 a month yeah, and a instead month. of being, yeah. And so instead of being like, you're doing really, really well, let's go and uh, invest this money. Dave Ramsey was just like, no, you should actually just like take that money and invest it in an education so you can get an education and just like get a job for someone else. And so Amy was kind of like putting through like why that mentality was just so degrading to the, you know, the guy who, who wrote in um, and just wasn't even practical. And I, you know, I know so many people like that. And my mom was one of the first ones when she was just like, well, how long is this going to last? You know, like, yeah, sure. You can be making as much as a doctor, but the doctor is going to be making that money the rest of their lives. We don't know how long this, this industry is going to be out here for you. Right. And it's like, Ooh, that's such a trigger because that's a trigger for me as well. And it reminds me, even I was having a conversation with some of my friends when they were in here on holiday and we we're having conversations about some influencers and how some influencers use their, you know, like their bodies uh, to sell, like things like OnlyFans and, and things like that. And one of my friends was just like, yeah, well, but what is she going to do when she gets old? Right. Like, that's not a way to, to live your like if, when she gets old, she can't sell her body anymore. And I was like, honey, by the time she gets old, she's going to have how many companies under her belt. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's not even going to be about her body anymore. It's going to be about her brand. Right. Like, and she's, she's being really smart about it. The specific person that I'm talking about, she's being really smart about it in terms of like how many different brands and labels she's doing, which is why I even find influencer marketing just fascinating because a lot of people are like, well, how, how long is this going to last? Or, you know, this is a, a boom, this is a bubble, this is whatever. And it's just like, but no entrepreneurial skills and business yes. skills are things that you're, you're making for yourself that can, can lend themselves to so many different things. And even now that I, I think about it, I've even started thinking about, okay, well, I can apply all of the skills, the team building, the sales skills, the marketing skills. I could literally go out tomorrow and buy a business and know how to effectively run and manage that business. Um, because of the fact that I've built up on all of these skills and because of the fact that I've also really honed in on my skills and I've allowed myself to invest in myself, invest in mentorship, um, and understand how all of these things work, right. And build up assets where I could do something like that. If I just kind of stayed with the mentality of, well, none of this is going to last and this is a boom or like whatever, or like, 
all of these people online are just being influencers and you're like, eventually they're not going to be able to afford, or they can't even afford their lifestyle now or whatever it is that people say about people who work online. Um, I wouldn't have had anything. I wouldn't even have this house yeah, <laughs> because I wouldn't have been able to afford it because I, I would have been keeping myself in that scarcity mentality. Yes. And that, that's, I mean, that's so good. And that's exactly like when I, cause I've sold a couple of companies at this point, Sarah. And when people are like, well, cause we looked at selling a better place consulting in 2018 and they're like, yeah, but that's, that's your baby. And I'm like, no, my babies are my baby. <laughs> if I sold a better place consulting or any one of the other companies that I own currently, like I, I may take a month off a, a summer off quarter, a year, whatever it is. And then I'll probably start something else because like you said, it's that entrepreneurial skill. And like on that social media post, you know, Dave, the, the kid's 16 and he's making 50 K a month. Uh, and he just started it six months ago. And his question was, how can I talk to my mom? Because my mom has really traditional thinking around this. That was his question. And the advice he received back was to basically take the 300K that he had saved up and go get a business degree, which made me laugh because, you know, I understand what Dave Ramsey's like prescriptions are, but Dave Ramsey himself is an entrepreneur. Like the same things that he was talking about with that kid being like, well, you don't know how long this is going to last. Like Dave doesn't know how long it's going to last. Like he's betting on himself Mm -hmm. too. And so that Mm -hmm. was the irony and the aspect that I was like, are you telling him to go and get a degree for something that he's already doing, you know, and my business stuff, I was raised in it. No, I don't, I don't have a degree in it, but I probably have like a doctorate in business being raised in it from a trucking company and a service-based business and customer service, like all of that. And so that's the stuff where when people come into the comments, whether it's on social media or whether it's your family, they're poking wounds that already exist in your mind. They're, they're yeah. saying things that you've already questioned about your own identity. And so if you don't identify with it and you don't judge yourself, then it's really difficult. Like if, if I walked up to you, Sarah, and I was like, you know what? You're the worst astronaut in the entire world. <laughs> like, would you care? I'd be like, that's so ridiculous. I'm not an astronaut. <laughs> yeah. And we can give ourselves that same gift when somebody is like, well, this isn't going to last forever. You mm-hmm. can have that same amount of conviction to be like, well, no, that's ridiculous. Like if, <laughs> if it doesn't last forever, I've already built a seven figure company. That's the skill set. My worth is not the company. My worth is the skill set, the wisdom, the experience. I also find it really interesting when people say things like that. And then it's just like, well, but are nine to fives forever? Can no. you not also be laid off of the fly? Right. No. Like at least I control my, my salary and then kind of like where everything comes from. Um, when you're in a nine to five, you're like you could be laid off on a whim. I, I remember in my nine to five, I was there for six and a half years. And it's so interesting because people will do this to you no matter what level you're at, but it's, it's always more when you're more successful because there, it, that really taps into what people like regret not being able to do for themselves. Right. But I do remember my very first day of my nine to five, I walked in to one of our locations that we were working at. And this woman was like, you moved here? Wait, you moved to the city for this, just for this job? And I was like, yeah, like I moved back to Toronto. So I was living in London, Ontario, where my parents live. I was actually living with my aunt. I got my job within like two days. I had to like switch cities. It was crazy. 
Uh, I literally handed in my master's research paper two days later, got offered a job. And I think like two days later, moved cities. It was, it was like one of those times in my life. So I was there and I was all excited, right? I was like, I got this permanent full-time job in my field, all of that kind of stuff. And this lady, I sit down and she's just like, you moved here for this job. And she's like, you do realize this job isn't stable, right? You do realize that like, we're all going to get laid off soon. It was almost like she was trying to tell me that I had made the biggest mistake of my life. I was in that job for six and a half years and I quit. (laughs) Yes. I quit. Not, you know, it's not that they were like, oh, you're redundant. We no longer need you. The girl who took over my position is still in the job. She's still, this is like, I don't know. I got hired in 2011. Like it's a really long time. And for that woman to, on my first day of work to say, this isn't going to, you shouldn't have moved here for this job. I like at the time, obviously I was really young and I was like, is she serious? Right? Like I can always move back in with my parents or whatever. Um, but I think that it's very true what you just said, right? Like if, if you don't have it inside of yourself, when someone, cause now if I heard someone say something like that, I'd be like, that's just so ridiculous. Yes. Right. But at the time I was just like, is she true? Does she have a point? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was only 24 when I got that job. And now, like, kind of just looking back through all of that, uh, it's, I've even made progress, and I'm sure that you have too, where some people are like, well, is your job going to last? Or what are you going to do? Or like, um, I had, you know, I had a family member not too long ago ask me, okay, well, if you move from Nicaragua, but that, there goes your entire brand, right? He's confused. He's just like, if you leave Nicaragua, then you're, you're going to have to recreate your brand because your entire brand is about like living a freedom-based life in the tropics. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> My brand is about living a freedom-based life and stepping into your leadership. It doesn't matter if I'm in Nicaragua. It doesn't matter if I'm in Toronto. It doesn't matter if I'm in Portugal. That's actually not how I make money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think that, um, so I could look at that comment and be like, yeah, it's ridiculous. But maybe a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. Um, because you, we really just need to do that work on ourselves too, in terms of the yes. And to be like, okay, where did that thought process come from? How did I, how did I have that thought process in my head? What was the identity that I was in when that thought process was in my head, when it was a believable thing? Where am I now? Yeah. Why am I where I am now? Oh, because I didn't have that thought process. Right. (laughs) Right. I was able to step out of that and truly step into a yes in life when I, for myself, just realized that I was no longer going to carry on those specific limiting beliefs. I love that. I love that. And obviously we can keep going. Like uh, we, we could, because this is just such a good conversation. Um, if I know people that are listening to this are going to want to continue this conversation with you specifically on Instagram. And so what is the best way to connect with you? Yeah, I love that question. So, okay. I primarily help coaches and leaders and service-based entrepreneurs hit 10 to 40 K months through strategy. I always say strategy and aligned energy. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at Sarah without an H J Lorero, which is a Portuguese last name, L O U R E I R O. We'll put it in the show notes. I also have a fully booked checklist. It's a 19 page guide on how to get fully booked online. Um, it is chock full of value and inspiration. So you can go ahead and download that 
on my website, um, which we'll have in the show notes as well. Yep. And I also have a Facebook group. It's Fearlessly Free and Wealthy Coaches. So you can join that if you feel like you really liked the vibe. So much value, Sarah. I really appreciate you being here. And I cannot wait to see how the conversation continues and just your guests and lifestyle. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait till we have another one of these. Like, I'm going to come back and do more of the yes and. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. So I would love for you to share your thoughts, share what you got from this episode and from this conversation with Sarah with me on Instagram at thebunnyyoung.com. Well, no, it's not .com. I lied to you. It's just at thebunnyyoung. And we're going to make sure that we have everything in the show notes. So please like this episode, comment, subscribe, share it with a friend that you want to encourage to live there. Yes. And lifestyle and come back for our next episode. because we've got something special coming from you. Thank you so much for being wherever you took Sarah and I today on your run, on your walk, snuggling with your dogs at the gym, working out. However you consumed your Yes And podcast, we appreciate and love you. Thank you so much and have a great 